are about to listen to 52 Podcasts to Science Fiction Film Literacy, an exploration of the history within science fiction film. Your host is Chris Garcia, and we're starting now. For today's episode, we are bringing you a little scene film, which is kind of a shame because it's, it's an interesting one. But it allows me to talk about one of my favorite concepts in the history of film, and that is the repurposing of content. <laughs> uh, that's not entirely true. Maybe that's overselling it. But A Message from Mars, which is a British film from 1913, is arguably the first British feature film, and certainly the first British science fiction film. And... Basically, the story is pretty simple. Uh, a bad, selfish dude named Horace Parker uh, basically walks off without paying after seeing a Punch and Judy show, uh, ends up breaking up with fiance and the god of Mars, uh, calls him the most selfish of mortals, and a Martian who is banished to Earth basically has to Robert Marley him. No, not Robert Marley. (laughs) Uh, Jacob Marley him through a sort of Christmas Carol-like scenario where he has to do good deeds and become a good guy. Of course, in the end, he does, and does remarkably well. There's a lot to like about this movie and a lot to dislike. Uh, It's very stiff. At this point, Melier's films were still sort of the guidebook to how you make a feature film, or any film, really. And so there's the sort of staid camera work. It's not very fluid, It's shot to shot to shot, not necessarily any cutting between. It's it's a very 1913 film. Let's remember, this is two years before sort of the groundbreaking film that was Birth of a Nation. And it's, it's still playing by the rules more of 1910 than of 1915. That said, it's a lot of fun, but the main point is... This is taking a classic concept, in this case, A Christmas Carol, and applying it to the science fiction world. You could almost literally use the classic, it's like wagon train in space concept, and just adding in space after any existing property. Now, what's good about that is it means that we have a set of stories that we are able to pass down to generations while they have something to latch on to. So kids in 1913 would almost certainly know A Christmas Carol. But kids today might not. Except if you can tell, and they might not actually want to interact with a story like A Christmas Carol. But if you say, well, this is where this story comes from or this story comes from, And you have these contemporary films which use that as a basis. Not necessarily adaptations of the work, but works that reference it in a way and use the tropes and all the means of their 
of that story, it makes it gives them something to latch onto and move forward. There's some great parts in this that I just adore. Um, there's so Ramil is the uh, Martian who has to sort of go through and guide Horus at first. He uses his magic to make him do his own good de- deeds. I guess hoping that it'll be a uh, a gateway drug to being a good dude. And it seems like it is, in a way. Uh, eventually, he does a good deed, sort of. He finds, like, a coin in his pocket, and he splits it with a, a uh, hobo. And Horace is sort of turned into his old self after being turned into this bum. Uh, and then he goes through and does all this other sort of uh, good stuff. Uh, there's a fire, and he rescues some kids. Uh, he takes uh, that bum home and gives him food. Uh, he lets things go, uh, crimes against him. So he's shown as being sort of rebirthed as a new dude. So yeah, it's a Christmas Carol. Uh, Any fans of uh, those old films from the 50s will recognize a lot of the methodologies that were, I wouldn't say borrowed from this, but were in general of this idea. That said, watching it, I can't help but make all the comparisons in the world to Melies. And this is... It was probably meant to be somewhere around 40 minutes, maybe 50. Uh, They call it a feature film. uh, And when the BBC uh, and the BFI, the British Film Institute, got together to put together a definitive version of it, because there was no full existing version, so they used the partial versions to make a full version. And since there was variable frame rates at that point, uh, I've seen anywhere from 14 to, I think, even 28 frames per second. So your timing becomes sort of odd. And I think this was slow at running about an hour. I saw a couple of folks mention that as well. And when you're watching it, like, yeah, it's definitely not... I don't think it was ever meant to be like that. And I've actually watched a version of A Trip to the Moon, which ran 12 minutes, which is obviously too fast, but it did actually work slightly better. And so maybe this was meant to be fairly slow in its movements, but I'm not entirely sure. But the Melies influence is obvious. The costumes from Mars, particularly the King of Mars, Looks like it could be straight out of Amelie's production. Uh, the the sets and the staging very Amelie's esque, uh, Meliesque. Uh, I don't know, but it's phenomenal that it's so pretty. It's just absolutely gorgeous. What is my favorite though is that. This is a film that has survived all the way through. They've always known this was around. It's never been a lost film, but it's never been a complete film either. 
Also, a neat little thing that someone pointed out uh, on Mars, the logo on their chest is the logo of Venus, not of Mars. Uh, <laughs> a minor problem. But this is great. Uh, the BFI version that has been restored is available online. There's a YouTube version that I'll link here, which is about... It's probably the best version I've seen. There are also supposedly Russian subtitles, so that's good. Uh, and there's a great film that BBC Arts did about the behind-the-scenes work to actually make the silent... to bring it back. And I think that's wonderful. The period between 1910 and 1915 is really sort of, I won't say ignored, but it's not, it's never given the respect it deserves. In fact, mostly the films that I think of during this period, I only think of a couple. I think of one of the Wizard of Oz adaptations. I think of this. I think of uh, Charlie Ogle and Frankenstein. But it's not like a period that I think is great. It's a definite transition from the pre-1910 sort of feeling out period and the trick films. Uh, and then in 1915, when Birth of a Nation happens, it changes everything. It makes the scale so much grander. It, puts, it makes tricks less important, but it makes methodology more important and more obvious to the viewer. And that's really sort of the, the thing that happens with Birth of a Nation is that it doesn't necessarily invent anything particularly. Like, you can't point to something and say, this is the first time this has ever been done. But it is something that 100% influenced the direction of film, and in particular the big budget feature. This is before all that, of course. And now what we're seeing is a really fun little film but you kind of have to be in the mood for it. You have to understand the sort, of, the sort of shooting that they do. You have to be able to connect with acting that very stage. And this started as a stage play that was done for years and years, apparently. But it's a very stage acting method. So what are you going to do? Uh, the next episode on our journey is something, again, I've never seen all the way through, but I've seen clips of for sure. It's The Master Mystery, starring the greatest magician of all time, Harry Houdini. So come watch, or listen, I guess.